Welcome to Rhode Island's Amazing Women. I'm Deb Ruggiero, host and creator of this award-winning radio show and podcast. You can listen anytime on your favorite streaming services. And my guest is Cranston City Councilwoman Anise Germain. She was born in Haiti, moved to the U.S. in 2009. She is a nonviolence trainer and advocate. In 2016, she co-founded Hope and Change for Haiti, where she volunteered as the executive director. She was appointed to the city council in Cranston in July of 2020 after the sudden resignation of a council member. And then she won her first full term in November 2020 as the first black woman ever elected to the Cranston City Council. She was reelected to her second term and she's going strong right now advocating for the residents of Cranston. She's married with three sons. Anise earned her BA in journalism from Haiti State University and she has a master's in leadership and policy from Boston College. So thank you for joining us, Anise, and we at least have Boston College in common. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> thank so, you for having me. You were born in Haiti, but you moved to the U.S. in 2009 after escaping what you describe as a life-threatening event. Can you tell us about that, and how old were you? Yes, um, this is a very uh, dark moment in my life. It's a very sad moment. Uh, in 2009, I was uh, uh, about to get married. I was like, it was month, one month before I get married. My marriage was scheduled on July 25th, uh, on 2009. And um, in 2009, June 2009, Exactly, so I left. Uh, I left uh, Haiti. So um, you know, loss, not knowing what the future will hold for me, not knowing if I'm gonna get married. You know. So but why did you, why and, did you leave Haiti? Did something happen? Yes, yes. So I was escaping kidnapping. I'm so sorry. You I was escaping kidnapping. Oh wow. Yeah, it is life threatening. A kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. So how was, old were you when it, you came to the U.S.? Mm -hmm. it, how old were you when you came to the U.S.? I was thirty-two. Wow. So it must have been really difficult to leave everything—your family, your life—in Haiti. It was difficult. Mm -hmm. It was difficult. I was not a young eighteen years old girl. You know. I was ready to get married to uh, create my own family. I had a career, you know? Uh, so to leave everything behind, uh, not knowing, you know, uh, it's like to start over, mm -hmm. you know? That was the, the challenge. How would I do that? It's 32 years old and leaving your country to go to another country where you don't even speak the language, you do not have residence, you know, I had a visa. Unfortunately, yeah. I, was, I was one of the privileges when I had to leave, I was able to buy a ticket and to come, you know? But mm. imagine if I couldn't buy a ticket, how would that be? But coming here at that moment was the, the, the you know, the challenges, uh, thing in my life. 
So what were some of the challenges that you experienced once you came to this country? Uh, you mentioned you do not have any family here. So I, at that came... moment, I had a cousin okay. know, that okay. has her own life, you know. But you did have but, a cousin. Uh, she was grace uh, uh, enough to uh, welcome me and uh, supported me. Mm -hmm. And I have to say also, I was lucky. I found people here in Rhode Island to, who supported me from day one mm -hmm. and until where I am today. That's and great. I have to say, I am standing on their shoulders. Yes. I was lucky. You know, it's so important that we have diversity of different opinions to solve problems in our government. And it's important that women have a, a seat at the table when framing policy, whether it's local, state, or federal government. So here you are new to Rhode Island, to America in 2009, 2010. You know, fast forward to 2020, what compelled you to run for office? <laughs> so when I was in Haiti, I was always involved in policymaking process. I was an advocate. I was always advocating for better education when I was a student, you know, at the university. And I was a journalist when I was in Haiti working on issue, on women rights issue. So it is like in my vein, advocating for what is right. Mm -hmm. uh, when I came here, I took, I say I had a pause to get my feet in the door, uh, learning English, for example, going back to school. And once I get back to school and starting to speak the language and I start right away, um, I started really uh, for advocating for my children. So that's how I started. Mm. Uh, when I became a council person, it was a plan. I have to tell you, it was a plan. I knew one day I would be in politics, so I love politics, but I didn't plan at, in 2020. So it just mm -hmm. came to me uh, when the council person uh, resigned and a lot of friends of mine called me say, this is for you. Just go for it. We need and there you. There you go. You did it. Yes. <laughs> so that's um, how I get into the council. So I was appointed. And then I said, and I talked to my family and I, and I said, hey, is it the right moment? Because at that, more, at that time, I was a student at Boston College. I was working full time. You know, I have three children. I run a nonprofit organizations. It, it was a busy time for me. And it was, we were in, in the middle of COVID, you know, mm -hmm. at that moment. So it, it wasn't something I really planned to do at that moment, but it was a calling. And, and I, I have been doing the work, you know, with advocacy, hope, with the Hope and Change for Haiti, our organization that we co I have uh, co-founded in right. 2016. So that's how I get into it. 
If you're just joining us, I'm Deborah Giro. Thank you for being here. Karen Kay is at the controls. This is Rhode Island's Amazing Women, and you can listen to the podcast anytime on all your favorite uh, streaming services. I'm chatting with Cranston City Councilwoman Anise Germain. She was born in Haiti, came to the U.S. in 2009, as she said, and she was elected to her first full term as a councilwoman in 2020, and actually she was reelected to her second term. Now, you are one of four women out of nine council members, and the Cranston City Council really made history by electing the first ever all-female leadership team with Council President Jessica Marino and Vice Chair Lamis Vargas, who's the first woman of color in that role. So how does it feel to serve on such a historic council, Anise? It feels wonderful. You know, I am I I am honored, humbled to be part of such an amazing group of women. Um, we have the first ever woman uh, council president and um, first ever vice uh, council president mm -hmm. and a woman of color. So right. I am really happy that we are able to move forward. You know, it's. It shouldn't be something we are like, oh, it's huge. It shouldn't be that way. We are in the 21st century, right? Right. But it's progress. You know, this is what we got. We have to work more to have more women into politics, into leadership position. So in the 21st century, we should have like, say, hey, that's a big thing. We have the first, you know, a woman vice uh, council president. So we, we, we are getting in there, but, you know, we should be doing that a long time ago. Well, I agree. It should have been a long time ago, but it's finally, you know, today. So yes. politics in Cranston, it is quite a sport. How do you navigate the politics on the city council? Um, you know, I, I got some bump, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> as I am learning. Um, I wasn't born here. You know, I didn't go to school here. Uh, in right. politics, it's a mix of, you know, social, economic, cultural um, fabric of the nation. So you have to know how to navigate the social, cultural, economic, you know, uh, patterns. So I am learning. I am right. learning. I get some good examples and good victories and bad, and then I, I, I fell. So it, this, it is what it is. And sometimes I, you know, things happen that you didn't even expect it's happened, but it's a learning curve. And I am, I have to say that I am blessed to be able uh, to, you know, have the, privilege to represent such a wonderful world, which mm. is a world too in Queenstown. It's so not that you, easy. Yes. When you when you go door to door in your Cranston neighborhoods in Ward 2, Anise, what are some of the more compelling issues that the people care about and talk to you about? At the time of the election, you know, every time people have such, uh, you know, needs that need to be met, at the time of the election, uh, when I knocked doors, people were calling for solution on, for example, speeding. 
that's a big issue for them. Um, safety, you know, having their trash pick up on time. Small thing, you know, they yes. have small thing. And after they come to talk about the taxes, you know. But those the, are those are local issues. Local, local issues. They are not into big policies. What right. is going on in Washington? What is going on, you know, really in the state house? You know, it's they funny because want, when, I, when I was going door to door as a state rep, there were a lot of people who were asking about streetlights or to your point, garbage pickup. And I'm thinking yeah. I'm running for state rep, not council, you know? So <laughs> exactly. the difference is pretty interesting. It's um, so interesting. I, I, yeah. But they're important. You know, people care deeply. What about education? People care deeply about their schools. That must yeah. have been an issue. Yeah. You know, uh, as a council, they know uh, that's one of the bump I got because when I first elected, I did not do my homework. <laughs> Uh -oh. I did not know that I, as a council person, really, because I'm so into education, I did not really do my homework to know that you do not have any oversight as a council person. You can only vote for the budget to for the school to run. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people want good school, quality education for the kids. And one of the things I'm starting to have as a complaint is you have some of the uh, residents that just want to leave the district, this, the, the ward where they, they, you know, in the neighborhood you live, that's where you send your school, your, your, your children, right? That's the school you've been. But I have some complaints that say, hey, I'm gonna send my 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 children to another school, and why that? And yeah. we know Princeton is known for a good, uh, you know, school district. So, what's your relationship like with um, Mayor Ken Hopkins? You guys get along? I think we when we started there was some, you know misunderstanding but I think we're getting pretty good getting mm -hmm. along so my philosophy is working with everyone right so I'm not doing this for myself and I don't believe in one person can solve every problem I believe that together we can solve the problem and I believe in different perspectives and that's why I always reach out to the aisle I always vote on something when I feel that's gonna benefit the whole not one person, you know? So I vote on that, uh, you know, capacity. I vote for the people. So that's why it's always important to have a good relationship, collaboration with uh, the mayor and the whole team. Otherwise mm -hmm. you're not going to accomplish anything. Right, very good. Well, it sounds like education too is very important to you. That's what you were talking about. And I would think as an immigrant, someone coming from Haiti, you must care deeply about immigration policy? Definitely, that's one of the uh, topic that uh, really close to my heart. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why with the organization, we advocate for immigrants' rights. Uh, when I came here, I was fortunate to have a visa, you know, and then I did not have to go to the border, but I was, you know, looking for safety for my life. 
And I couldn't leave. If I did not have a visa, I would be like the same as people who goes to the border. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the, the, you know, the narrative around immigration is like they put every, every person who immigrate here in the same box. There is different category of immigrants. You have people who come here to, to find a better life. You know, they are looking for the dream. We have people who come here that do not have the option. It's they, they want to save their life. They are fleeing persecution. They are, mm-hmm. failing, are fleeing violence. And those people, you cannot put them in the same box because I have to say myself, when I came, it wasn't for a better life because I was fortunate enough to have a good job in my country. I, I was educated in my country and then I was about to get married. How could I leave those? Right. Because but as you said, family. it was a very violent environment and you were facing possible kidnapping exactly. you know, in, in your village. So uh, no, I think that uh, you make an excellent point. Yes, yes. And that's why we want people to to understand uh, immigration is not everybody as criminals. Mm. Everybody is as, you know, or people who just want to have a better life because a lot of us who immigrate here has a life that we could, we are, we were able to live our life, you know, dream our dream where we were. But because of safety, we have to live our, our homeland. Sure. And safety is important for everyone and their families. It's really remarkable that you came here in 2009. You've learned English. You've gone to Boston College. You've run for city council. You're now a Branson City Councilwoman. Um, and, And I've always said, you know, we develop a bench by getting more successful, energetic women, you know, to run for office. Um, What kind of advice do you have for other women who might be listening, who may want to get involved in local politics? Hopefully they don't run against you, but. (laughs) (laughs) I would say go for it. Once you have a purpose, what is, what is your passion? What drives you? What keep you awake at night? So, you're not doing it for yourself, but you're doing it to make some changes. I am mm-hmm. there to make changes. I'm there to bring a new perspective, how to see, how to, to, to do things differently. We have it status quo. So we do things as you do not, and you know, you are not impacted directly and you think everything is okay. No. So I will encourage every woman who is listening If you feel like you have something to bring at the table, you feel like your voice is needed at the table, so just go for it. You know, when I started, you know, I'm not an American born here, but I'm American right now, but I still have a big accent. And I remember when I first started going to, to some meeting and people look at me and hear my accent, and they look at me down, you know? Mm. They thought I was less educated. They thought I was like less worthy. And people, you know, opinion do not define you. That's and right. you need to know your worth. You know who you are, where you come from and what you are fighting for. And it is worth fighting for. Once you know what it, it is worth to fighting for, just go for it and you will get there. And one of the things that you've done, Anise, since you've come here from Haiti, uh, you started Hope and Change for Haiti. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Yes. So since I was in Haiti, we, my, my husband, we were my fiance at that time, uh, where we were all really working, helping people, helping children, helping youth to go to school. We used to put aside 5% our income to pay tuition for youth to go to school in Haiti. So we've been doing this work since we are in Haiti. So when we came here, people reached out to us. Like, for example, I don't know if you really follow uh, the tragedy, what is going on in Haiti. Haiti is a country that's been hit by natural disaster. And I said also human disaster. Uh, in 2010, there was an earthquake. In 2016, there was a hurricane right. that hit natural disasters and destroyed sure. the southern part of Haiti. So what so is it that your organization does? Do you raise money and do you send yes. it to organization? So that's what you do? So when we create the organization, it's just really continue the work we started when we were in Haiti to help people. But we put it in a way where people here in Rhode Island who want to support our work, they can claim. So we put it officially, you know, we were doing the work, but officially we, we create the organization to help people who want to help us to claim their taxes. So that's why we form up with Pension for Haiti. So we raise money. We have people give us donations, uh, individual donations. We organize gala fundraiser. So mm -hmm. every year uh, to raise money to help with uh, building housing for people. Unfortunately, this program, we cannot run it as of now because of all the turmoil, political turmoil in Haiti. But we pay uh, a tuition for children to go to school. We give loan to women for small businesses to do small commerce. In so Haiti. those are programs that running. And here in Rhode Island, it's advocacy for women's rights and immigrants' rights we do in Haiti. But the money that you're raising, Anise, it's going to Haiti, right? It's not. Is there um, a community here in Rhode Island of Haitians? Yes. We have a big community here in, in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, we are helping a lot with immigration, uh, helping uh, the Haitian coming in, filing for their status, adjust their status, uh, TPS, or like uh, anything mm. regarding, so helping them financially as well here. And, we're heading into the final minutes of the show, <laughs> and I'm I'm so impressed with all the work that you've done and the fact that you're serving on the uh, Cranston City Council. So briefly tell me, who were some of your mentors? Oh, I have, um, you know, one of, I have many mentors, but I will say I have a lot of friends uh, who are helping me. But when I first started, I had Hilary Levy Friedman. She was helping me. She's okay. a good friend helping me. I have a new Vala Fortune. She was running for mayor of Providence. She's a oh, Haitian sure. American as yeah. well helping me. And a lot of other friends that always call me and tell me. And I have Steve Psycho in Queenstown, who is a Wonderful. mentor for me as well. So I have a lot. Of, if I keep saying names, I, that, I that's what's so meaningful in life, having you know relationships, people. So what's next for Councilwoman Anise Germain? I am right now, I'm in the role of the council of, of, for representing Ward 2, and I loved it. 
And I, there was a lot of work to do in Princeton um, for my constituents. So I'm focusing on you know, solving some problem, some issue we are working on right now. This is what it is. Uh, I don't have any other plan for now, but just mm. working hard to see how I can make some changes in work. One day at a time, right? <laughs> One day at a time. <laughs> you know, obviously not everyone has the same position, especially when you serve with people from different political parties and ideologies. How do you square the different perspectives that you hear on the council? You know, I know who I am. I know what I've, I stand for. So if I, I agree based on my values with someone and based on the needs of my constituents. Wonderful. So that's my priority. Thank you so much for this conversation, Cranston City Councilwoman Anise Germain, and thank you too for your public service. Thank you, then. I end each show with a quote, and this one is from Shirley Chisholm. She was the first Black woman in Congress. Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. So true. I'm Deb Ruggiero. Thank you so much for listening to Rhode Island's Amazing Women. And don't forget the podcast is available on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, all your faves. And if you like our show, leave a review and help spread the word. Thanks so much. Stay well and be kind.